Hey, welcome to Renton Christian Center and our Sunday morning message. Hope you enjoy it, and I hope you hear from God in the process. So this morning, I want to go through um, the nine supernatural gifts. Just going to summarize a couple of those along the way, but I want to talk about the charismatic gifts, you might say, the Pentecostal gifts, the supernatural gifts. And those, those are all found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and um, 13 and 14. And so one of the things that I think is, is pretty, I don't know, it's, it's pretty evident nowadays that a lot of Christians are just unaware of these nine gifts. And they're um, either had bad experiences or heard bad things or whatever, or they're just uh, a little overwhelmed or intimidated by them. Uh, And Paul starts off this chapter with a very powerful statement that I think applies to us if we are in that camp where we've been either unaware, afraid of, or just go, oh, that's just not me. So let's begin by reading the passage here in 1 Corinthians 12 and then uh, take a look at what it means. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want that. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, Paul speaking to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth, a large church, well-established, very fruitful and growing and thriving, but with a lot of growth and a lot of new people come a lot of problems. And so there was beginning to be this kind of conflict in their meeting times because there were some who were well-versed in the things of the Spirit, been Christians for longer time than the new people coming in, and they were kind of grandstanding. If they had a prophetic word, they would stand up in the middle of the congregation and just, oh, rah, 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 rah. And I doubt that they were getting applause, but there was this kind of elevation of people who had these gifts. And so Paul realized he needed to teach them how to get the pride out of the operation of those gifts, get the humility back. And remember, this is not about you grandstanding. This is about everyone being served, hearing from the Lord, and just being touched and blessed. So he didn't really use this occasion to say, hey, now this week we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. They were already in play. They were already at work. And there is nowhere in the Bible where we have like a class on the gifts written down for us in any of the letters. So there was something the Holy Spirit had sovereignly done already in the hearts and the minds of the people, and they were beginning to operate in these things without instruction, which is kind of at least written instructions. I'm sure the pastors and and leaders of the church were instructing them. So Paul is really writing this for the purpose of correction. But along the way, what we're getting is kind of like, finally, we have a little bit of a class on these things, so we have some sense of what they're about and what they're supposed to be like. So Paul is saying... One of the things I really, really, really want you to not do is to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. And King James is a very strong word. It's ignorant. I don't want that. Do not be ignorant. 
The word agnosis is, you know, anytime you see a Greek word that begins with a, it means the opposite of the following word. Gnosis is knowledge. I don't want you to be dumb about this. I want you to be knowledgeable. This should be normal Christianity for you. Don't be unknowing, unaware, not perceiving, or ignorant. You know, this word agnosis actually appears in one other place in the New Testament. I don't think I have it there. It was where um, Paul says, um, we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Same word. We are not ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about these things, and I don't want you to be ignorant about what the devil's up to as well. And there's a purpose for this because the resulting ignorance, you might say, has two problems that come along with it. A, God is not able to do and say what he wants among people if we as individuals aren't aware of what the Spirit might possibly be giving us. And then number two, the people can't receive what they needed from God, and he wanted to use a human to get it to them. And so, and number three, and then the devil kind of gets to do whatever he wants to do. So what God wants to say doesn't get said. What the devil does want to say does get said. So that's the reason Paul's really quite motivated. Guys, you've got to be on top of this. You've got to be aware. I want you to be, um, I want you to be knowledgeable. I remember when the 70s and 80s rolled around, the charismatic movement was being revived, and um, there was quite a big division in, in American churches. There were those who were charismatic and those who were clearly non-charismatic. We don't believe these things. And, and I have to say... I don't think there can be a non there's no such thing as a non-charismatic church because the Holy Spirit is here. Individuals have been filled, at least for salvation. What we have is a lot of unaware or maybe unwilling Christians because you can't take the position that there is no Holy Spirit or that there are no gifts. According to what we just read, this is all present tense. Paul is saying right now, to the Corinthians, which means it's present tense for us today. Right now, these things have been given, but for some reason, that's been skipped over or taught against or something like that. So wherever you're from or whatever denomination, um, I'm not sure if you ever got labeled or if you're part of a group that was labeled. It's important to just drop the label. How about let's just be Christians? And then everything under that heading that the Bible has in there is mine, and I believe it. I may not exercise everything. I may not practice everything I know. I may be incomplete in my Christianity. Well, join the club. So is everyone else. But as far as the gifts of the Spirit, we have to kind of accept the fact it's in the Bible. God did it sovereignly before there was ever a Pentecostal movement or charismatic movement or a preacher preaching on it. God just did that. And it began with the very first day the Holy Spirit was poured out. So Paul's very strong about this. Don't be uninformed. In fact, Jesus was so intent about communicating this with his disciples right before he ascended. Do you remember what he said to his disciples? They're looking up, and he says, by the way, don't do anything. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait. Don't, don't try to change the world by yourself. It's not going to work. Wait for who? The comforter. The one who's going to come who will endue you with power. Ministry really can't happen. Lasting ministry can't happen without the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. 
So even though that's, it's mystical, it's invisible, and there's not a whole lot of concrete things to get our arms around, it's fact that Jesus was very adamant about, and Paul is reminding us that he's adamant about it as well. The other historical issue a lot of people have had in the past is um, they read the New Testament and say, you know, after the 12 apostles disappeared, the gifts of the Spirit disappeared with them because by then the Bible had been written down. We have the Bible. This thing is complete now. We don't need the Holy Spirit because we have everything we need right here in the book. That's um, an interesting position, but I, I don't find anywhere where there's an exit strategy for the Holy Spirit. I, I just don't find that in there. And besides, if... If they needed him, and they walked with Jesus, the Son of God, and they needed the Holy Spirit to do ministry, how is it that we don't? Like, we're so smart? Like, we're just so woo-hoo? No. So we have to just be people, okay, Lord, I'm not going to be unaware. I'm not going to ignore. I don't care what fears I have, what my personality type is, what my other gifts are. I'm just going to be open and available to get all that you have and all that you want. So that's kind of headlines before he even gets into them. Then he begins to list nine spiritual gifts. I call them supernatural gifts because these are a little bit unlike natural giftings. I think, and I know you can't draw the line too clear between those because if it's a gift of God, it's a gift of God. But the way they're expressed, natural giftings are things like the gift of helps. For instance, we need some help moving a woman out of her home into a U-Haul truck. She's going to move to a Spokane. By the way, if you, you can help on Saturday, please let me know. We're, well, I have three of us so far. We need about five. Um, at any rate, that's a, kind of a natural gift. I don't need a revelation of knowledge or um, an outpouring of miraculous power. I can just sign up and go share my gift of help, so my gift of serving. Right? That's a natural gift. All of these gifts require a momentary outpouring of either revelation or power or insight that does not come through natural means. It comes through supernatural means. The Spirit gives them to you on the spot. And you kind of go, you have this aha, and then you get nervous, and then you realize, I'm supposed to say something about that. And you say it, and something amazing happens in the person who receives that. Okay, so that's, that's what I mean by supernatural gifts. These nine are different than all the other 20-some gifts. So they are, you might have known this one as the word of wisdom. The word word in Greek is logos, and logos really means an entire message, not just a single individual word. So NIV translated that to message. So a message of wisdom is kind of where, gosh, we're having a tough time figuring out what to do, and and we pray, we strategize, we've researched, we've got input, and then somebody gets this idea that says, How about that? And everybody goes, oh my gosh, that is so it. So the Holy Spirit gives it to somebody kind of out of the blue, and everybody gets a confirmation. Oh my gosh, that is perfect. That's the word of wisdom. And that happens quite casually a lot. It doesn't like have to be, I have a word of wisdom. Everyone sit down and listen. It it often just happens very casually, and you may be operating in that and not even know it, but that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's And when you think about those moments, you have to go back and go, yeah, there's no way I could have known that. I've never even thought of that before. And there it was. It's a very, very cool and powerful gift from God. The message of knowledge is similar. It's just having insight and knowledge about something that you couldn't know through natural means. You didn't read it in the paper. You didn't get somebody's diary and read a page out of that. You just have this knowledge about 
I just have a sense that you might have been abused as a child. Something like that. And then the person begins weeping. How did you know? I think the Lord told me that. It's a very powerful gift, and it can often be, be operating in such a casual and, and even friendly and intimate way. It doesn't have to be in church. But you want that. Don't you want that? If that's something God wants you to have, wouldn't you like want that to uh, really be helpful and useful and um, an aid in God's uh, healing in someone else's life? The gift of faith. This is um, Ashley and Mitch's daughter. They have the gift of faith. And um, everybody, every Christian, obviously needs faith to be saved. I had to believe Jesus died on the cross. He died for me. Um, he carried my sins away, and I have received now his nature. I have faith that that's true. Okay, it's not tangible. It's a spiritual reality that I believe and live around. The gift of faith is that plus the ability to believe for the impossible. Peter had a gift of faith, a momentary, I think, outpouring of the Holy Spirit when he got out of the boat and walked on water. Now, the Holy Spirit hadn't been given technically. Pentecost hadn't come, but we see all kinds of manifestations of the Spirit in the Old Testament as well. He had a gift of faith. It was just like he got, he got it, and then guess what? He kind of doubted it and began to go down. There have been times in our church congregation here, early years especially, when um, Pam and I were called to start a church. And it was like God gave us crazy faith for that in those days. And every Sunday, especially when I quit roofing full-time and started taking a paycheck, it was like every Sunday was an absolute miracle that people showed up. But we'd go, how hard could this be? Because there was a sense of confidence that God had called it. And so we had this kind of momentary thing for kicking and launching this thing off. And that kind of comes and goes. Our building program, when we built the building here, was the same thing. It's kind of like... We have, I know we only have like 50 adults, but we can build this building. We, we built this building, everything you see here, on the backs of about 50 families, which is miraculous. Of course, things were cheaper in the 80s. But you might have a gift of faith, too. When, um, when you're walking along with somebody, and they're just going, oh, just all down and depressed, and maybe that's kind of their temperament, um, you might be the person who's going, no, 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 wait, 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 look at it this way. You, you may have not just an optimistic attitude, but also be very uh, commonly and often used with the gift of faith. And you need to speak those things. My wife has the gift of faith. She says, we need a student center. We have no restrooms in any of those portables. They're walking in the rain or the 90-degree heat just to go, hmm. And she's going, we're going for it. I'm, I'm kind of going, ah, fundraising again? I don't know. But she has this gift, and she shared it with the staff, and suddenly we all caught it. It was like this thing we just caught. And now I have this idea that God could really do this. But, but she would not take no for an answer because I was kind of being practical and logical. And, honey, man, we're like way in debt and everything. And, by the way, still looking great. Finances are really roaring back, so thank you again. Um, but she has to get to faith, and so now we're all kind of going, yeah, for God, how hard could it be? So you may have that, and you need to speak those words, not... Not flippantly. You want to be careful. Some people are a little out of control. They want to be helpful. They want to be positive. They want to be faith-filled. But be careful because you can do a lot of damage too to people. So it's just something you learn and you grow in. Uh, this gift of healing. Uh, Pastor Kevin's not here, but he and I were at a conference one time. And um, 
he came back and he, he said, I think I have the gift of healing. And I'm thinking, this Baptist boy, that's, there's no way. <laughs> <There's just> no. <laughs> but I've seen him operate here and just the way he sees and prays and remembers and hears God and says, we need to just have people come forward. I've heard stories about wildfire on Wednesday nights or Thursday night practice uh, praying for people. And this guy's got a gift of healing more than I do. That's for sure. Now, aren't you glad that Paul says, and we'll look at this later, that not everybody has every gift? Aren't you glad? Praise God. That's so much pressure. I just can't operate on every level all the time. But I, I can stay in my lane, and that's where I feel good, and I feel God's pleasure, and it's natural for me. Naturally supernatural is a good phrase. Uh, miraculous powers. I mean, that's, some of these things manifest very rarely less commonly than others. Now, you might have read stories about Africa, Latin America, revivals in all kinds of places except America. Yes, there can be reason for that because we're more rational and linear thinkers in Western culture than those cultures that are very spiritual. I mean, even before they got saved, they were very spiritual about the evil realm, so they naturally walk in that realm today. I'm not going to try to figure that out. All I want to know is that if I'm supposed to have this gift of miraculous power, I want it. Why would I not? I've seen too many broken people, broken lives, broken marriages to just say, ah, I don't really need that. You and I want to pray, Lord, help me not be ignorant, unaware, but available. Prophecy, we talked about that one a couple weeks ago. Very clearly is speaking forth for God, and it can be preparing a sermon and preaching to people, or it can be just walking along. Like I remember um, when I first got saved, single guy, friends and I went to a theater, and we saw something like, I don't know, Alien or some horrible movie. <laughs> and, um, and so my, my friend had an idea. He said, hey, we got out of the movie. And he said, hey, let's go see this one too. So we walked in and watched the entire second movie without pain. And so we are feeling kind of, hey, that was great, man. That was really f cheap and free. And so I, I went and told my roommate when I got home, and he goes, and I told him all about that. And I said, yeah, we, just, I mean, we didn't have to go through the turnstile or anything. Nobody saw us. And he goes, oh, that's convenient. That was the word of the Lord. It's a prophetic word. It's like, <laughs> prophecy is just speaking forth. For, he was speaking for God in a kind and kind of humorous but really pointed way. So I was convicted, I repented, and uh, prophecy is just you telling people what you think God's saying without starting with the words, ah, the Lord saith. Because ah, you could be wrong. See, walking in the gifts of the Spirit is walking by faith. It takes a lot of risk, and we get it wrong sometimes, but that's how we learn. So I like to say, I think this could be God. You check it out, let me know, and then I'll share what I think God wants me to say. Distinguishing between spirits. Without getting into the whole understanding principalities and powers and demonics. You know, they used to have a book called Pigs in a Parlor. In the Parlor. Ever hear of that book? It was referring to the parlor would be us, beautiful creatures of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, with pigs running around in it. Meaning that you can be saved and still have some demonic influence inside and working in your brain and all those things. And so there was a season where... Uh, there were names of every demon. You have a spirit of false responsibility. You have a spirit of wanderlust. You have a spirit of this. And every sin on the planet had a demon with a name attached to it. Okay, that's, I think that's a little overkill. Maybe it's not overkill. It's just not 
not my area of expertise, but my point is what we want to have is a sense when this is probably darkness operating here. There are probably people who have yielded to some spiritual things, demons that are just, they're lying spirits and they're lustful spirits and they're just, and I just, I want to sense that when I walk in that crowd of people and just go, I got that, uh-uh. Okay, that's a gift to be able to see, even though on the outside they're all smiling and well-dressed and might be really good talkers and everything else. Distinguishing between spirits knows when you sense the sweetness of God's presence, the sweetness of Jesus. And it doesn't matter what the person looks like or wealthy they are or anything else. You just, you kind of go, you sense the sweetness of God. That's at bare minimum. We would want that gift, right? Now, there might be others who have prayer ministries and they do deliverance ministries and I'm certainly not ever going to say that's not real. It's got to be real. Some of these folks are just really well um, equipped to deal with those kind of needs. Um, Speaking of different kinds of tongues, there is a place for, and we've heard stories or read stories where missionaries travel to a foreign country. They hear someone praying in tongues, and it's that missionary's language. And how did they know that they were doing that? And there was no possible way. And there's like a witness that, boy, God is really here. Um, there's a prophetic use of this gift where in church someone will receive a tongue. Paul says, pray that you might interpret before you do that in public. Because if there's no English spoken words, no one else benefits. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. And then there's the interpretation of tongues. Okay, light touch. The reason I'm going fast is because there's a little tiny book I'm going to recommend to you if you want to do some research. It's really, really good. And I'll put it on the screen here in just a bit. So Paul says there are supernatural gifts, and they all come by the same Holy Spirit that operated in the apostles' time in between times, in our time as well. What's interesting about this group of gifts is they do take more risk, perhaps, than the gift of helps, wouldn't you say? I'm going to step out and try something that could be really embarrassing. I could be a thousand miles off, but I'm going to give it a shot. If you have some of these gifts, then you probably also have the gift of faith because you've got this kind of natural courage. You just go, hey, how hard could it be? Let's just go for it. That's just kind of a, a part of the gifting that goes with it. A lot of times it, it, it comes in a package where the personality and the temperament and the tendencies of your natural personhood kind of fits in with the, those gifts as well. God is really smart in packaging us. And so if, if your temperament, personality, and tendencies are a thousand miles from giving a public prophetic word, I would generally say, yeah, keep praying for it. But don't feel pressured. If, if you want to say, Lord, I'd love to be... Have a little bit more of that gift of prophecy. But don't feel pressured. And don't let anybody say, oh, you should be speaking in tongues, man. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute because Paul says, nah, not so. But if you do have some of these gifts, you probably are more courageous than others as well and walking in the gift of faith as well. The least we want to do, and every person in this room should want, is to appreciate the gifts when they come. We should go, wow, that I think that's the Lord. Versus, ah, I heard someone speaking in tongues. Run. You know, we need to at least appreciate. And secondly, we should at least benefit if the word is to us or the, the prayer or something is, is coming in my direction. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, is that you? Because if that's you, I want to know it. 
Don't just go, ah, no way. God doesn't speak like that nowadays. And thirdly, the third level would be desire those gifts. Desire whatever it is God has for you and say yes to it. But as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a good thing that not everybody has them all because that would be a lot of pressure and it's also um, just not realistic. Paul says very clearly, all of them should be honored, but not everybody has them all. In fact, here's the passage. Oh yeah, here's some examples. Natural gifts. Yeah, you don't have to really step out of a boat and walk on water to do a lot of these. They're more kind of in that natural camp. And I think most people have at least one supernatural gift, one out of those nine. And we know that we all have these natural gifts because we're walking in them all the time already. That's just a short list. There's probably three times as many. But I wanted to give you kind of the idea of the two categories. So God emphasizes two gifts in particular. Out of those nine, prophecy and in other places, the gift of tongues. This is what I want to just focus on because I think there's something that seemed to be special about these two. Simply because they've got more time, more pages in Scripture than any of the other gifts. So let's take a look at the passage in 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Especially prophecy. Okay, there's a highlight. Especially prophecy. No other gift is listed. Especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Did you know that? If you have the gift of tongues or just have a prayer language, you're speaking God's language. He has a language, and it's the one you speak in his language. Indeed, no one understands them down here on earth. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Okay? So that's why prophecy is highlighted, emphasized. It strengthens, encourages, and comforts other people. However, Paul goes on, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Wait a minute. Who doesn't want to be edified? I want my spirit to be built up. Um, I got a really big head, man. I got a brain full of way too much stuff. What I need is a smaller brain and a larger heart, more of the spirit and less of Alex. So if if there's a way for me to say, Lord, I would love to have a language where I could just edify my spirit, build up my inner man. Why would I not want that? But the one who prophesies edifies the church. So he's making a comparison. Tongues is definitely not number one on the list. In fact, it's the, the last one out of those nine. But it's definitely emphasized here. And so he goes, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. You got to just stop and go, really? Every single one? He doesn't require it. He doesn't say you ought to or you should. He says, it's just my desire because I've experienced an incredible growth in my inner man by exercising my spiritual language. But if I have a preference, I want everybody to prophesy. But even that is not going to be given to every single Christian, which he'll go on to say. The one who prophesies is greater, not like her, but rather more useful than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. All right, just a couple quick things. Just a lot to chew on, and then I'll give you some references. Eagerly desire. Greek word looks like our word. Zealous. Yeah, zeal. To be heated or to boil with desire. To burn with zeal. To strive after. To exert oneself for. So, are you a Christian? 
Everybody in the room? He says, I want you to boil, to burn for, exert yourself, go after these things. It's not just, oh, that's his job, that's her job. I'm off the hook. No, he says, go after. This is God speaking. Go after him. Go after these gifts. So here's what I want you to do. Number one, these three chapters in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are some of the most potent chapters in the entire Bible. You've got to read them. They're fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And it's really going to challenge your thinking because you're going to go, well, there's no exit strategy. It sounds like this could be for me today. So, Father, what do I do? Show me. Do something. Give me something. Let me step out in something. Because we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not just the salvation of the Spirit, but the fullness, the power of the Holy Spirit to not just be useful, but to be super effective, to stay on track, to be in love with Jesus. That's number one. I want you to read God's Word concerning these things. Second thing I want you to do is take the assessment. The second website is the gregwins.com gifts. He just has a free whole website for Christians. It's absolutely wonderful. I didn't want to give them both at one time because it starts to be confused. But now give that a shot. And this is also on the website, um, very top right-hand corner. So if you click on rccforsquare.org, you can take a look at that same spot as it was last time. Now we have them both up there. Okay, and here's the final, final conclusion. What I'd like to encourage you to do is, is order this book on Amazon. It's Spirit-Filled by Jack Hayford. It's about this big. It is the clearest, plainest, most encouraging teaching that, that I've seen in years on receiving the Holy Spirit and what it means to live the Spirit-filled life. It's out of print, so you can only get used ones, which I think is cool. I love saving a bunch of money on a used book, don't you? So uh, check it out. And again, this is for, if I'm supposed to eagerly desire these things, then I should at least read something about it and just enlarge my understanding, enlarge my heart and my availability. Because you and I have spiritual gifts. You and I are unique in Christ. And um, we want, we want everything Jesus has for us. By the way, Jeff um, Pope came up with that title. Remember when I couldn't figure out a title? I got all kinds of stuff in email, and Jeff, I said, I'm, I vote for this one. That's pretty cool. Unique in Christ. So let's do this. Can we just pray right now and ask the Holy Spirit to, to give us everything that he has for us? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to respond to, and don't pray it if you don't mean it, but if you would like to join me and you can mean it, um, we're just going to invite him to show us and give us everything. So let's say this. Lord Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for sending your Holy Spirit so that I can be born again. Now, Lord Jesus, give me all that you have for me. Help me to understand what my gifts are. Help me to operate in the ones you've given me. And for the ones I don't understand, Open my eyes so that I can see. And I look forward to a whole new adventure in God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, may God bless you. Um, 
I would invite you to stay here all afternoon, but there's another church coming. If you want to stay cool, uh, but stay as long as you want. All right, God bless you. See you next Sunday. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join us in person, we gather on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We have great music and worship, a stimulating message for the adults, as well as Sunday school for our Wildfire students and True North kids. We'll take great care of your nursery-aged kids as well. If you haven't already found us online, we're at rccfoursquare.org. Now, here's a final word from Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.